Friday. Uh, it's Saturday, but who cares? Uh, we're going to play the What If game with the Eric Chavez contract from 2004 and say, what if? So that's what we got coming up for you guys today. Let's get into it. You are Locked On A's, your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans, and welcome to episode 414 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke, and on today's episode, we are playing the What If game with the Eric Chavez contract from 2004, the extension that he signed with the A's. Yes, the A's actually signed a player to an extension once. Well, twice. Um, so that is what we are talking about. What would have happened if Eric Chavez had stayed healthy? We're going to go through the entire process. That'll be happening in the third segment today. But before I get into anything uh, else for today, uh, thank you guys so much for making Locked On Ace your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. With that being said, uh, I'm taking a, a quick YouTube hiatus just because we got the newborn and to record on YouTube I have to have like 30 uninterrupted minutes and that is uh, that is a tall task right now so uh, I can you know hit stop and record here and uh, just record the podcast so uh, quick hiatus we'll be back do not worry or do not fret and uh, I, I will also be on the tweets as well so you guys can follow us on social media at Lockdown A's on Twitter and Instagram I'm at by Jason B on Twitter and if you guys have any questions for us please send those to lockdownathletics at gmail.com so let's get into today's episode the newborn's great his name's Ethan I love him so much and uh, he's sleeping right now R currently right now may, may not be by the time uh, I get to the end of this but hey we'll see he's doing great uh, I love him, and uh, we're having a great time. So uh, let's get into this episode, though. A couple of weeks ago, before the baby came, there was a question on Twitter that asked if you could pick one player in all of sports to have stayed healthy for their entire career, who would it be? And if you guys follow us on Twitter, you may remember my response, case I chose Rich Harden because I love pitching. Uh yeah, if you, if you listen to the podcast, you know that I love pitching. I'm always talking about pitchers and what they're doing. Uh, Cole Irvin is a pitcher. He has been a frequent guest. He has been fantastic. Uh, so Rich Harden was my choice because uh, he was just one of the best pitchers that the A's have had over the last two decades. He's right up there, maybe not quite as good as Mulder and Hudson at their peaks, but he was real. He was right there with them. He was so, so good. And he threw gas for the early 2000s. Uh, he was a lot of fun. And I, I remember going to one game of Rich Harden's, and I know that this is a Eric Chavez podcast, but I'm talking about Rich Harden for just one sec. Uh, I, it was the first game out of the All-Star break. I forget what year. It was one of the years he was healthy after the All-Star break. He made the first start after the All-Star break in Oakland. I believe it was against the Texas Rangers. And he had a no-hitter. Perfect game. Perfect game, I think, going into like the seventh. And I, at some point, I just looked up and I'm like, has he allowed anything yet? And he hadn't. And then he did. Um, so he didn't get the perfecto or the no-hitter or whatever he was going after. But uh, I just remember being like, wow, he is dominant. I really, really like Richard. And he had some really good stretches. It was just a health thing for him. But uh, the, the way that that 
correlates to Eric Chavez is because there were people in the in the uh, comments on Twitter saying why asking why I did not choose Eric Chavez and uh, that is a valid point. So we are going to be talking about Eric Chavez and playing the what if game with what if he had stayed healthy for the duration of that contract. You can kind of make your own conclusions from where we're going with that. Play along. What what do you think would have happened if for the A's as a franchise? If Eric Chavez had stayed healthy for the duration of that six-year, $66 million deal, I'll definitely be asking you guys again at the end of the episode, but if you guys have some thoughts as to what would have happened to the A's as a franchise if he had stayed healthy, hit us up on Twitter at Locked on A's. But Chavi, if, if you're a new A's fan, you may not remember Eric Chavez with the green and gold, but he was great with the Oakland A's. Uh, he debuted at the age of 20 in 1998. I don't remember other A's players debuting at the age of 20. Uh, so, you know, he was a special, special talent. And he was with the A's for more than a decade. Sequentially, a decade. How many guys can you say that about that wore white clates and green and gold every single day for over a decade? I don't know. At honest question, I don't know the answer to, uh, but he, he won six straight gold gloves from 2001 to 2006, received MVP votes in four of those years, and from 1999 to 2006, he hit a combined accumulative 271 with a 350 on base, which remember, this is the time of Moneyball, a 350 on base was not something that happened on the regular. They didn't, there wasn't a lot of, you know, John Mabry might have been the Mark Canna of that era where he just got on base. Uh, but again, I'm having too much fun with nostalgia real quick. Uh, he also had a 119 OPS plus while banging 28 home runs and driving in 89 runs each season. That's production from 1999 to 2006. Those were his numbers. 28 homers, 89 RBI, uh, 271 average, 350 on base, 119 OPS. That's just consistency. So when you see that contract get handed out, you're like, yeah, that's the guy we should do that for. We can afford him. Let's go Let's go ink him and put him in an A's uniform for many, many years. And for newer A's fans, I know that there are a lot of you that listen to this show. Um, he was basically like Matt Chapman, you know, defensively, because obviously, you know, he, he was winning gold glove awards, but he had a more consistent bat. He obviously, uh, th the game has changed now. So strikeouts are more acceptable now, but Eric Chavez was striking out under a hundred times and walking 60 plus times a season. He was ridiculously good with the bat and he could hit for a little bit of average, a little bit of power, a little bit of everything. And he, he was a solid, solid player. Uh, he was also the model of consistency and definitely someone that you could look, look at as you watch play at, at the end of a season and say, that's the guy we want to build the club around on offense. And that is what the A's ended up doing the same year that they ended up trading away Mark Mulder and Tim Hudson. They also started off the year that same year by signing Chavez to a six year, $66 million extension in March of 2004. They didn't make the playoffs and then uh, they, they traded their two best starters. So good times. They also got Dan Heron out of the deal and Dan Heron was a really, really good pitcher for the A's in 2006 when they made it to the ALCS and got swept. But Different podcast. Uh, so to this day, that six-year, $66 million deal, uh, if you're an older fan like myself, I'm, I'm 36, but you know, an older fan who has been watching for a couple of decades, you know that number, and it sticks in your head, 666. That is not a great number. It's the number of the beast. But that is Eric Chavez's 
contract extension, and it is also the largest contract that the A's have ever handed out. So, good times. Love, love, love this franchise. Uh, but coming up on the show, we're going to talk about the injuries that plagued much of that contract, and then a little bit later, how that could have changed how the A's have operated for the last 15 years. But first... It's the new year, and that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. Unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or taste like chemical spill, you know, other bars are just meh. Built Bars are yum. That should be their tagline. Built Bars are yum. <laughs> Built Bars are also covered in 100% chocolate, and most of their bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, and you're getting 240 calories in those suckers, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And this is the way to start your new year, right? Is going to Built.com and using promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15 15% off at built.com. Built is yum. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Uh, follow us on social media, Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJasonB on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Also, thank you so much one more time for making Locked On A's your first listen. We are free and available on all platforms, except for YouTube for the next, you know, I don't know, a couple of weeks. I don't know, whenever the baby can give me 30 minutes of peace, that's when I come back to YouTube. I'll let you guys know when that's happening, though. But uh, let's get back into this episode. And uh, for newer A's fans, it may be hard to grasp just how good those early 2000s teams were. They had MVP Jason Giambi for a couple of years. They had MVP Miguel Tejada, Silver Slugger and Gold Glover Eric Chavez. They had Johnny Damon, Jermaine Dye. Frank Menachino was just a stud. I Were his stats great? No. But did I love Frankie Menachino? Yes, I did. And I believe he's still the hitting coach for the Chicago White Sox. Maybe I'm mistaken, but he was definitely the hitting coach of the Chicago White Sox in 2020, I believe. But uh, he was yeah, a personal favorite of mine. Loved watching Frank Manichino play. I like Mark Ellis more, but, you know, Frank Manichino was great. And then on the pitching side, which they left out of Moneyball the movie. So if you're a Moneyball the movie fan, oh man, uh, you did not get a full story. But there was also uh, the, the big three, which was a big part of the success. They had Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, and Tim Hudson. And then they always had a lights out closer from year to year. They, it could have been Jason Isringhausen or uh, Billy Koch or Keith Folk or Octavio Dotel. One of those guys was closing games and they were really, really, really good. And then they'd go to, you know, a bigger market team and, uh, be okay. I think Keith Folk uh, was actually on that 2003 Red Sox team that broke the curse, but you know, he was fine, I guess, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, I don't think he's aged well. Anyways, it doesn't matter who they plugged in. Those A's could always play. They, John Mabry, who I mentioned before, he was a, basically a guy that got on base and he hit some home runs and he was great. Uh, obviously, Moneyball, the movie was centered all the way around Scott Hatterberg. And uh, he was another guy who got on base and he hit a huge home run. He was fantastic. Um, they, they always had just so much talent and just 
If you remember watching those teams, go to the baseball reference page for just type in like 2001 Oakland A's and remember some guys because, oh man, those teams were so damn good. But back in those days, the, the Angels, not the Astros because the Astros were not in the AL West, were the A's rivals and they were really good too. They won a World Series in 2002 and each and every game between the A's and Angels was just a nail biter, not only because they were close, but because each game could end up determining which one of those teams would actually make the playoffs because usually it was only a couple of games that separated these two teams at the end of the entire season so every single one of them counted and there was only one wild card at the time and the Red Sox and Yankees every year were just in an arms race like who can we get to you know try and win the division and keep make the other team the wild card so there wasn't a lot of wiggle room for you know a second team in any other division so it was always the A's and Angels one of them had to win the division and uh, those were those were some fun times but all that is beside the point for today though uh, I just wanted to stroll down memory lane for a moment but let's get back to Eric Chavez after being a solid centerpiece for the A's for the first eight full years of his career in 2007 the injury bug found him and latched on for the remainder of this contract in the four years that were left on the deal from 2007 to 2010 chavi played in 154 games total total he played less than one full season total in four years or basically an average of 38 games per season and the injuries varied from year to year, too. It wasn't like he had a nagging quad injury or a nagging ankle or, you know, something like that. It was something new every year. And uh, they all kind of stemmed from, you know, the back area where they they branch out. And that's kind of what happened to him. So one year it was the back, another it was the forearm, the next his neck. And if you don't got the solid base, obviously, or you just play for too long, they, they add up after a while. So that's kind of what happened with him. Uh, and if you remember watching Eric Chavez in those seasons, I believe that is why he adap adapted the, the bounce throw to first bases because his forearm uh, hated him. And he didn't have the arm strength to just throw it on a fly anymore, but he could throw it really hard into the ground. And he got really good at that too. He was good defensively at anything he wanted to do. Go watch Eric Chavez highlights of him just drilling the ball into the ground. And, uh, you know, you, you could see whoever the first baseman was. I'm going to say Derek Barton. I'm not sure, but he was with the team for like another decade too. Uh, it wasn't a decade. It was like five fine years six, I think, before he was minor league free agent. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, they would just scoop the ball. And uh, that's that's how Eric Chavez played for the, the last few years there. It wasn't, you know, the prettiest, but I was like, hey, that's new. Must be Moneyball. Uh, apparently it was injuries, not Moneyball. But anyways, after he left the A's, he signed with the Yankees for a couple of years and then with the Diamondbacks for another couple of years. From the time that the injury started in 2007 until his final season in 2014, he averaged 56 games a season and 181 plate appearances. Um, Per year, not you know total, but he he averaged 181 play appearances a season. Uh, certainly not full time, but after leaving Oakland, he did have some good numbers off the bench for those two teams. So he still had a little bit left in the tank, and injuries finally gave him a breather. So that was nice. Um, also, it's wild that Eric Chavez was hurt for four straight seasons. Uh, meanwhile, Jed Lowry, the the current guy that's hurt wherever else he goes, uh, is you know fine when he's in Oakland. It is. Wild to think about. Also, is Jed Lowry going to resign with the A's? I don't know. Maybe I'll talk about that in another podcast. But uh, anyways, back to this podcast. It is certainly fair to wonder what if Eric Chavez had stayed healthy 
And coming up, I'll do just that. But first, Bet Online would like to wish you happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. You know, like Buzz Lightyear, only for betting. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started. That's one word, all caps, locked on. And they got you covered from football to basketball to hockey, boxing, and UFC. They also have some futures bets for baseball. As we're getting ready, is there going to be a season? I, I'm sure that that is on Bet Online. I'm saying that on the fly, but I am sure that it is there. When will the lockout end? Go to Bet Online, place your wagers, find out, and do not wait to take advantage of all of the amazing offers available for 2022 because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. And that is obviously because Bet Online is where the game starts. Welcome back to the Locked On Ace Podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to leave us a five-star review on your platform of choice. I saw that you can do it on Spotify now. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, if you listen somewhere else, do it there too. Uh, yeah, leave us a five-star review, please. That's They're very helpful. They help the algorithm find us. That helps us find other A's fans. And, uh, you know, you have somebody to talk about the A's with. So, uh, and, you know, whatever I talk about. So do that. Um, also follow us on social media at Locked on A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm a by Jason B on Twitter. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. But let's ask the big question. What if Eric Chavez had stayed healthy? Would the A's have spent more on payroll to supplement those 2007 to 2010 squads during those A's down seasons? Would they have been trying a little bit harder and having better success than they ended up having in those four years? five years, four years, um, how competitive would they have been if they had been spending a little bit more? Uh, th these are all valid questions. I mean, they did, the A's did make a big trade in 2009 in getting Matt Holliday to make sure that it never got traded to the A's again. <laughs> uh, Matt Holliday spent half a season with the A's and then got traded to the Cardinals for, they, they gave up a lot to get him, didn't get much back in return. Good times. Uh, but it, it's not a move that you make if you're trying to lose. So the A's were definitely trying to win as, you know, in 2009, a few years into these injuries. But they also gave up a 24-year-old Houston Street, who was a very good closer for like another decade. And then they gave up a 22-year-old Carlos Gonzalez, who maybe it was Colorado and maybe it was the elevation. But man, was he a really good player for a bunch of years. And he was only 22 years old. So... If Chavez hadn't been hurt, do the A's still make that deal? Or do they let the younger guys develop around their veteran third baseman? These are these are big questions. And it, honestly, when I sat down to write and record this episode, not a question that I was actually considering. I was focused on payroll. And then I was like, oh, crap, that's right. Would that have changed the A's fortunes? Would they have had those two big pieces to help them win more games as they got into you know the, the next decade of the 2000s? Um, would having street and cargo have made a difference in the A's World Series fortunes? You can extrapolate that. It, it keeps going. There's a lot of what ifs surrounding what if Eric Chavez had stayed healthy. Would the A's still be hesitant to hand out larger contracts to players? The other notable deal that they inked with one of their own uh, also did not work out. And this one is much more recent. So uh, if you've 
only been following the A's for a couple of years. Uh, you, you probably remember this one. And it was uh, Chris Davis signing for two years and $33.5 million. And then he uh, he hurt his hip. And what, he still has not been the same player. He had that one great moment on the last day of the season in 2021. Um, and it was nice when he returned because the A's didn't look like they were doing much. But, uh, you know, Chris Davis, we, we love him. But he hasn't been the same player since he signed that contract. And so that stinks. And it leads you to believe, is A's ownership skittish when it comes to handing out big contracts for on-the-field reasons? Or is it because they're cheap? Could it be both? And I do got to say that there are loads of questions that are related to these contracts, like the ones that I've already laid out. There's more there as well in the what-if scenarios. But it's also worth noting that John Fisher, the A's current owner who... Uh, we, there's no love lost between myself and John Fisher, mostly just from myself. I don't think he knows that I exist. But uh, he, he purchased the club in 2005, a year after the A's had signed Eric Chavez. So to answer the question, did Eric Chavez getting hurt for four of the six years of his contract make it so that ownership didn't want to sign anyone long term? I have to say I don't think so. Because Fisher and company, you know, Fisher and uh, Lou Wolf and whoever else is part of the, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Those are the two guys that have been the, the mastheads of the A's. Uh, they, they didn't hand out that contract. They paid it, you know, a decent amount of it, but they didn't hand out the contract. So they have never actually shown us that they'd be willing to spend money to retain guys. So does it change how they've been operating? I don't think so. I think that they've been operating the way that they've wanted to since that contract ran out in 2010. Um, I could see them being swayed into offering guys like Mark Canna this winter or Marcus Simeon uh, of last winter, similar deals to what they ended up with, uh, you know, in the right circumstances. Um, but essentially short-term deals that they got. Uh, Mark Canna got a couple of years for 30 whatever million or $26 million. I could see them paying that. I could see them paying... Marcus, you know, one and 19 or, you know, two and 38 or whatever. Uh, I, they're definitely not handing what he got this, this current off season, uh, with the Texas Rangers. That's not something that's necessarily in their wheelhouse yet, but I could see them being more apt to doing those, but are they going to be approaching that $66 million? There's no reason to believe that they would be doing that. So did Eric Chavez getting hurt dissuade them from handing out these contracts? No, because they haven't done it before anyway, So or, or since. It just doesn't seem like something that was going to be in their cards. It's not the kind of ownership team that they are. So when it comes to whether or not Chavi's injuries may have hurt the A's postseason odds those final four seasons, that one could honestly go either way. Obviously, you want a player like Eric Chavez on the field because he was the model of consistency for eight straight seasons to start out his career. He was great. And getting Matt Holiday didn't work out for Oakland, but he was a really solid player in Colorado. He was also very solid in, in St. Louis with the Cardinals. So... With Chavi down, the front office likely felt like they needed a big bat to kind of replace Eric Chavez a little bit. And honestly, at the time, they went with one of the better ones available. If Chavi had been healthy, would they still have made that trade to supplement Chavi with Matt Holiday instead of trying to replace his numbers? That is a big question. Would that trade still have happened? Would it have led to more success on the field with both of those guys in the lineup? Um, or... Would that trade still have happened or would Bean have been more interested in retaining their young guys and betting on the future, which is something that they've generally done uh, you know, before and since, uh, is they try to keep those young guys that are you know owed less money and 
go from there and develop from within. And that's kind of what we, we've been seeing with Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, uh, and all of the young guys. They, they don't want to pay them too much, but they sure want that talent. So would they have rather kept those two guys and kind of waited for them to develop a little bit more? And that is the real question and why this is such an interesting what-if scenario. Uh, so that leads me to my, the question that I asked you at the beginning of the podcast, but I'm going to ask it again now. What do you think would have happened if Eric Chavez had stayed healthy? Hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnAs with your your ideas, your responses, and uh, let's get that conversation going. But uh, before I get out of here, thank you guys so much for making Locked On A's your first lesson. Now go make Sully my excellent guest host for a couple of episodes. Sully of Locked On MLB, your second lesson. Uh, but that's all that I got for you guys today. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Oakland, and I will talk at you as soon as the baby allows.